0: Hey guys, it's Haley. Welcome to Kindled. Well, I am excited to be here with you today sharing an episode with Angela Mitchell of the Instagram account Raising Apologists. Angela has an awesome account with just a ton of encouragement and great resources, information, and she's someone that I have come to really enjoy following. And I think we have a great conversation for you today on helping your kids understand what is true, why. It is true. And to stand uh, up for that truth in the face of a culture that is speaking so many lies to them. Before we get into our conversation, I do want to let you know of a couple announcements. The first one is, uh, if you have not left a review for the podcast, that is always uh, something that is so helpful to me to get found. It takes just a minute. You can click into the Apple podcast app, click a star rating and then leave a few words. Uh, It'll take you 60 seconds. So if you have not done that, I would love for you to do so. And the second one is, including today, we only have two more episodes. So this week and next week, we will have a new Kindled episode for you. And then I'm taking a break for the whole month of June and July. So summer break is coming. Um, I'm going to be with my kids. My kindergartner will be out of school just really want to enjoy the summer, and I've done this every year since I launched, and it has always proven to be very restorative and a good time for me, too, to just evaluate um, where God wants to take show the show the coming year. So um, that is happening, but I am not going away entirely. I will still be producing Patreon content inside the Patreon app. So every Friday, I will be releasing a Firestarters episode, which is... An episode that is kind of like Kindled, but it is typically just me and the mic. So a solo episode on a biblical, cultural, theological, social, or political topic from a biblical worldview, and uh, 30 minutes or less, and those air inside the Patreon app. So if you want to join our Patreon community, it is $10 a month. And uh, there's also a chat platform that everyone who is a Patreon supporter gets to be a part of. And there is a monthly live Zoom call where we talk about something entirely different from what we're talking about on the episodes. So just a lot of really fun things going on over there. It's kind of changing all the time since it's only about six months old, Um, but it is growing. It is almost to 60 women. So if you want to join us, we would love to have you. There's a Patreon page where I post content, polls, um, stuff that I don't ever post on Instagram on that platform. And then I produce those episodes every single Friday. So you get four episodes, sometimes five, depending on how many weeks there are in the month of just me and the mic. So it is basically, I've described it before as kind of like an Instagram rant on steroids. Um, you guys know that I love to talk about things on Instagram and I love to engage with my audience. Um, And Instagram is a really fun place to do that because I get to kind of hear from you versus the podcast, which is just me talking at you. But Firestarters is kind of like a hybrid because it's just for a select few, a group of people who are inside that app. And I ask you, what do you want me to talk about? Like, submit the topics that you want to hear about. Um, We've done Q&A episodes. I've done topical episodes. A few of the recent ones I've covered, the last Friday I did one called Everything is Political. Uh, before that I did Jesus in their own image, church, should I stay or should I go, when it's wise to unfollow, uh, calling it what it is, Christianity without conviction. So you can hear that there's a lot of things that are very culturally relevant. Almost always there's some sort of cultural tie-in and, uh, something to do with current events. Sometimes it's just theological, but whatever it is, I promise it'll be good. I promise it will be from a biblical worldview. I promise it'll make you think, It'll be something that's encouraging. So uh, that is what I do over inside Patreon. If you want to join us, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash kindled podcast. And like I said, you have today and tomorrow kindled episodes airing on Monday, and then I'll be off all summer. And if you still want content from me, join us inside Patreon. Okay. All right. That's all I have. So here is my conversation with Angela Mitchell. All right. So today I am chatting with Angela Mitchell from Raising Apologists. Angela, thank you so much for being here today. For having me on, Haley. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners? Tell them who you are and what you do in case anyone has not heard of you.
1: Okay. I am. My name is Angela Mitchell. I'm the owner of a Instagram ministry called Raising Apologists. Um, I just kind of started this ministry organically from what I'm learning myself. I haven't arrived. Um, So I just, I'm recording what I'm learning on this journey of parenting and wanting to bring it to apologetics and to um, our conversations. So um, yeah, I just have a heart for that. And I am a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool my kids. Um, I've been married for about 11 years. I've got three small children and I just have a heart, um, to equip them in truth.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Your account has just really grown quickly. And I think that's a testimony to what you were doing, how needed it is and how, um, how many moms are just like, okay, I've got to get some ammunition for this cultural battle that I feel like I'm fighting on all fronts. And, um, so I'm really glad there's people like you who are stepping up and, and doing that. What kind of inspired you to start it?
1: Okay, um, I really had a heart for women's ministry, and um, I was in women's ministry at my local church. And I wanted to be trained and equipped to be a teacher in that aspect. So I went to a um, kind of a Bible class. I don't know if you've heard of Simeon Trust, but they yeah. teach you how to exposit Scripture. Wow! And um, really, while I was there, I was like, um, I need to be training my kids how to properly read and exegete scripture. Um, and my heart just kind of shifted from, you know, doing this with women to having a heart more, more for doing this in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just realized that um, there's a lot of uh, questions that I have about how do I discuss, um, these, you know, hot topic issues of gender. Um, what is a woman? What is a man? Um, what are these roles? And, um, how do I talk to you if I can't explain it to children, then I don't really understand it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. um, I just, the Lord just really put it on my heart that training my children to be biblically literate was really where my heart needed to be mm-hmm. in this season.
0: I love that. And I think that's so, so true because um, it's easy to, uh, as a woman, especially when you are at home with small children to feel like the, the good life or, you know, the fulfilling pursuit is somewhere out there, somewhere beyond the four walls of our home. And, you know, if we could just teach women at church, if we could just right. be asked to to lead a Bible study or whatever it might be, or, or be asked to mentor someone younger that would feel, then we would know we had made it, you know, or right. that would feel like that's that's really. Right, and there's I'm nothing like, wrong with those no, things. I mean, those no. are all really great things. They are, they're great. But I, I think it's easy to believe the lie that that is somehow the greatest or that that is the right. only way that you can glorify God and that the work that we do at home is somehow less than. Um. And I mean, we need to be reminded that that's not true and that we are in our homes as, I mean, agents of truth. Um, to to teach our children what the Bible says, to teach them God's word and his way and and to really instill in them the truths that that God can then, like we were, I was just telling you before we started recording, that God can then turn that into wisdom because, you know, you and I can't make our children wise. We can right. teach them what the Bible says, teach them what God says. We can tell them about his word. We can tell them the gospel. We can share the good news with them, but what we need in this age, um, is wisdom and that comes from God. And so we really, we are kind of like that first step in, in the, you know, in the lineup of things that has to happen for our children to become wise. And, And like the Bible says to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. And so, um, I just, I'm glad that you're encouraging people and I hope that we can encourage women today to not abandon their posts, you know, and to right. really, right. because there's not,
1: this. there's not this immediate fruit. I mean, yes. they're children and we don't get this immediate, you know, pat on the back. It's day in and day out hard work. Yes. And we also don't have to wait to be experts. Yep. You know, we don't um, I think a lot of the times we're like, oh, I don't have time to sit down and open up, you know, apologetic books and teach my children these worldviews. But really, it's a, like an as we go type of a thing um, and to not have our kids just take in messages mm-hmm. and not learn to think, you know, through, OK, what what is this really saying? Because there's so many messages coming at them right now you know, that we need to learn, we need to teach them how to take every thought captive and make it obedient to scripture. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I hope to make it practical. That's what my heart is in parenting. Um, and so, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love, awesome. I love that. So, um, what are, what are some of the ways that you do that, that you kind of teach as you go with your own kids? Like how, if, if someone is curious about that or, or has previously felt like I just need to buy a book and go through it every night, you know, and maybe that is what they need to do, but what are some of the things that you have found work for your family?
1: Okay. Um, well, just like anytime where they're watching a TV show, for instance, um, Um you know, any of the common themes, they're really moral themes. Um, But what we're starting to realize is, you know, the ground's kind of shifting underneath us right now. And Mm. um, they're kind of throwing some more, they're kind of testing that line of how far can they go? Yes. Um, And instead of our kids just mindlessly taking that in because it does, it normalizes certain lifestyles and certain things um, that we weren't exposed to growing up, Mm. um, And instead of just mindlessly sitting in front of the TV, just teaching them to think, okay, what is this actually saying, you know? um, And a lot of the times our kids aren't looking at things and going, oh, that doesn't look normal. You know, they, they slip it in there to where it seems very normal. So I just, and not, not teaching them to be fearful, but just teaching them to recognize messages instead of just being mindlessly absorbing, um, you know, Mm -hmm from friends, from school, from TV. Um, you know, we just kind of train our children to go, okay, what, um, is this true? And how do you know if it's true and teaching them that the Bible is true and that's our authority. Um, not how we feel because a lot of these messages are feel good, um, confusing, you know, messages of, um, it sounds loving, it sounds truthful, um, but it's not. And so, yeah. yeah, we just we just ask questions and we we leave room for their questions as well. We don't just yeah. shut it down with pat answers of well, the Bible says. Um, you know, and even though that that is true, we kind of just explore those topics.
0: Yeah. And that brings up a good point like I think it it is a little bit um vulnerable as a parent to leave room for your kids to ask questions and to even leave room for your kids to doubt or to not understand. Um, I was having a conversation with my girls last night at bedtime and was talking about, um, you know, how do we know God is real if we can't see him and we can't feel him, or when we can't hear his voice, like in our ear, the way you can hear mom and dad, how do you know he's real? And I could see that my almost five-year-old started to really think about it. And she was like, well, I can't hear him. I don't know if he's real. And so then we started talking about, okay, so Let's look around at all of the things in your life. Look, look at your sisters, look at your school, your church, your family. Where did these things come from? Did mom and dad give you all of this? Or did this come from someone else? Like, you know, and then she knows the answer. Like God gives us everything. God is, God gives us good gifts. I was like, so that's a sign that God is real and God loves you. That's an indicator because you have all these things, these evidences of God's grace and goodness in your life he's real. And how do you know he loves you? Because look at what he's done for you. And the Bible says it. And and then it got into like, even when you don't feel, even when you don't feel God's love, or you don't, you don't have a certain feeling in your heart, you know, it's true. So it starts in your mind. And I talked about how first we have to know it with our mind, and then we have to ask God to help our hearts believe it. And so I was like, you know that mom and dad love you, right? But sometimes you don't feel like we love you. Sometimes when you're in trouble, you may feel like we don't love you, but you know in your mind and you believe in your heart that we really do love you, even when it doesn't feel that way. And and she got that. And, you know, I don't know exactly how she felt after I left her room, but that's what that looks like to me is the faithful, just like letting her be like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure. Right. I don't hear God. I don't hear his voice. And then helping her think through all these basic, you know, truths that are like, well, look at your life and and look at what the Bible says. And we first have to hear, you know, know it in our minds, but then we need to believe it in our hearts. And um, and it's both. And 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 I also like had to leave the room trusting that God was going to use that. Like he's gonna take my my tilling of the soil and he's gonna bear the harvest. Like I can't produce the fruit in her life, you know?
1: Right. You can't. And you know that's a great relief. I mean Yes. Praise the Lord that we can't save them because if we could, if it was up to us, then surely they could lose it and it wouldn't happen. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah. And like you said, our kids have big questions and if we just help them think them through the Christian worldview has an answer for all of our questions. I mean, it's the most practical, mm-hmm. um, you know, a biblical worldview. It it just answers everything. And um, you know, like with my son, he, I think what really, I was like, okay, I need to start equipping them to think, uh, biblically because he has a bedtime fear. So when he goes to bed at night, he's like, why, you know, why does God let bad things happen? And, um, you know, he might not protect me from something bad happening. And, you know, you've got on one hand, like the prosperity gospel that would say, no, God doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he, he, we could easily, you know, plug that into our worldview and say, you're right. He wouldn't, He's, yeah. he loves you and whatever. And then when something devastating happens to them, well, there is no, there's no God. I can't trust God because they don't have a biblical worldview. That's a, you know, a prosperity worldview. So yeah, just helping them, um, you know, be able to understand that even in, even in fear and suffering, that God is still good and trustworthy and loving. So yeah.
0: That's so, so true. We, we don't want to feed them a feel good message because we know it's right. not going to stand up to the trials of life it's that not. they are going to face, especially right. today. We, especially. we are, we are certain they are going to endure some trials and and possibly even persecution for their faith, whether that is just cultural and, you know, being made fun of in school or uh, being mocked by friends or whether it's something they don't have to face till college and maybe professors give them bad grades or uh, whatever it may be, um, we know that they're going to face that kind of persecution for their faith. And so how are we equipping them today with the foundation of, look, this is, this is true on a cosmic, eternal level. Nothing that man does to you can ultimately harm you if you are in Christ, if you are his. And we value, we value so much the gift that God has given us and the grace he's given us that we want to share it with others, even if it costs us even if, even if it costs us grades or friends or our life, you know? And I mean, I just am, I'm so aware that I want them to have early memories of me, of me saying that and seeing even me living my life that way. Like, you know, and, and I've told them about some of the things that I've gone through, which are minimal compared to so many Christians around the world, but just you know, mom and dad like lost some friends because they didn't like that. We stood for God's truth that we said the Bible was true. And all of God's word was, was our boss. It was our authority. They didn't like that. And they're so intrigued. The thing that I think a lot of women would like to hear is like, your kids want to hear the truth. They really want to know. Um, my kids are just enamored whenever I share these types of stories with them, they're like, why didn't they like you or what? They don't want, they don't love, right. You, you know, they are yeah. very curious. And so it's a great opportunity to share that. Right. And,
1: you know, growing up as a Christian, it, we had to fear being called like goody two shoes or weird. Yeah. Now they're being called evil. I mean, just a Christian right. worldview, you're, you're evil. So our kids are going to be called much, much worse, I believe yes. for um, this. So instilling that, you know, courage and not having a spirit of fear. And Mm -hmm. you're right. Like modeling it for them because I mean, speak out about anything nowadays and you get labeled all kinds of um, nasty things. So, um, and not that we want them to have a thick skin, but like, I think Kosti Hinn said like a steel spine and a soft heart. And so I always say that steel spine, soft heart, strong Mm -hmm. theological backbone. So that's the goal. That's awesome.
0: I love that visual. So what are some of the biggest, um, you know, pitfalls that, that we see, you know, just thinking a few years ahead of where we are with our kids, um, what are some of the biggest pitfalls that we see young adults and even people our age falling for that maybe came from um, a background that didn't teach them apologetics, didn't teach them really a foundation of their faith? Like, what are some of the, the hot topics that we see that people are are falling prey to and that are drawing them away from biblical truth and towards, uh, you know, secularism and postmodern thought, those types of things.
1: Well, I would say right now would be, you know, the issue of social justice. And, um, I mean, I feel like under this woke banner, there's many different, um, issues and ideologies because when you start accepting the social justice narrative, you know, what comes in behind that,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, everything you're going to have to be affirming of and open of, or you're going to be hateful. So I think that, um, what's happened is parents have left the responsibility to the church or the youth group or the science school teacher. Um, you know, Awana, I drop my kids off at Awana every Wednesday night, you know, they're teaching them Bible verses and, um, they get to big church and they're like, this isn't fun, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they, they leave the church about 60% of, um, kids that were raised in a Christian home, don't, they leave the church, um, and they don't, they don't ever come back. Um, so I think that they're faced with the fact that, um, they weren't ever interacting with other worldviews or, you know, with other, um, ways of thinking or lies. So when they do interact with that, you know, the, the pizza youth group and the coloring the Noah's Ark at Sunday school is not equipping them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need to get back to teaching our kids. What is, what is biblical justice for social justice? And, you know, this sounds loving, it looks loving, but, um, you know, how is this different than biblical truth and what Jesus, who is Jesus? You know, there's a million different, you know, um, definitions that people have of who Jesus is. He came to, um, liberate us. Um, he was a political activist, a revolutionary, um, you know, and I think I've seen a lot of youth, um, maybe 20 somethings to just jump on this, like, um, activism religion, you know, because it's, uh, it's a cause and it makes you feel good and it seems virtuous and, you know, everybody wants to get behind something and and it it almost sounds um, biblical to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, um, you know, lining up these worldviews just with biblical truth is just crucial in these young, these young years.
0: Yeah. I think you, um, you know, so much of what you just talked about, it comes down to this redefining of terms and the changing definitions that culture is feeding us and our children, Uh, like you mentioned through kids shows, I mean, they're starting them young now. And so how are we, how are we helping our kids understand what the true definition of words is? I mean, if we don't understand the definition, if they don't have a solid grasp of what a man and a woman is, what love actually is according to scripture, what justice is righteousness, marriage, uh, what our ethnicity is and where that aligns where that comes into play in light of our identity in Christ then they are going to just be i mean it is an uphill battle already and they will be they will be very ill equipped to fight that battle if we don't give them definitions so i mean if we look even as as foundational as what is a man and a woman what is a boy and a right. girl Um, you know, they're going to be being told if they're in public school, that gender is this internal construct or a social construct. It's not related to your sex and it, gender is fluid. It's non-binary. And so how are we, how are we speaking to that? Are we, you know, are we just kind of letting culture tell them and saying, well, that's their truth. And here's our truth. Like we have to be really standing firm on that. Um, and then with like love, like I was saying words like love, the Bible tells us what love is. God is love. And in his character, we we see that he is perfectly holy and just, but also um, because of his holiness and because he cannot abide with evil, he has wrath for sin. And so he is, his love includes righteous anger against evil and wickedness. It is not an acceptance of that evil. It is actually a hatred of it. And so we see the world today saying that love is just epitomized by being accepting of everything. But if we look at God, who is the definition of love, well, that's not what we see in God's character. So that doesn't line up. And and if we can give our kids, even as young as three or four, like some basic ideas of like God is love and start to build that for them. Um, you know, those are the types of things I think it's, it's as basic as that. And it is, yes. in some senses, that's a relief. Cause it's like, I think that many Christian parents, um, may understand some of those words and be like, okay, I can explain what love is, but they may not understand just how crucial those words are even to have your kids really understand what those mean. Right. Definitely. And then, um, you know, another one that's an example that I think the world has totally hijacked is like righteousness and the idea of like, what is right. I think we see culture just saying like moral living, you know, not, not a holy, not that there is a perfect standard outside of us. It's just like, whatever we, whatever the world says is, is right. Whether that is, you know, wearing a mask or (laughs) taking a vaccine, like, right. That's how you love. That's loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor. Exactly. And then love is defined by what you do for your neighbor, not that you love God first. So. And that you answer to him and that is loving,
1: right. (laughs) That is loving your neighbor is keeping his commands. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So on the social justice front, I know this is something you've said your, um, your audience is really concerned about and is, is kind of coming into, um, The picture for them a lot. And I know it is, it is just so, it is so embedded now in our culture. It's crazy how quickly that happened, but, um, what are some of the ways that you are, um, seeing that bubble up in, you know, in cultural conversations right now?
1: Um, well, I would say for one, it's in the church. So, um, it's not even necessarily, you know, this problem out there is very much so in here now. um, but yeah, I think that the problem with social justice is that we didn't have a good understanding of biblical justice. And, you know, when hashtag BLM happened and our news feeds were completely divided, like everybody was like, okay, wait, we're not on the same page. What is this? Yeah. Um, you know, social justice, it kind of adopts the, it adopts the language from critical race theory, which, you know, we might not get into that very in depth, but, um, it's kind of this pre-packaged racial reconciliation plan that um, was easy to go, okay, we'll just grab a hold of this. This seems to be, you know, a good idea. And turns out it's really a bad, bad idea. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not biblical at all. So um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's also showing that, you know, then the social justice movement that we're scripture isn't sufficient Mm -hmm. anymore. Like it's, Um, personal experience. It's, um, you know, it comes with all of these new uh, words and ideas. It almost has its own canon, if you want to call it that, um, of ideas. And, you know, it just is devoid of being able to reconcile because only the gospel can do that, you know. Um, So, yeah, that that is definitely on the rise. I think my, my kids were watching, I don't know if it was Disney junior or something like that, but I came upstairs and they had both created little hashtag BLM uh, like posters. And they were like, people hate black people, mom. Like we need to do something about this. And I just remember thinking a commercial, (laughs) Uh, you know, it was Mm. out of there room, maybe 30 minutes, but I was like, okay, this, This is going to be something that um, we're going to be dealing with for a long time, and we need to understand this framework to be able to
0: teach them how to think biblically through this. So what did you, like, you know, if you don't mind sharing, like, as an example for listeners, like, how did you address that? How did you approach that?
1: Immediately, I said, of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, they do. Um, and that, you know, it just kind of gave them an outline of what, what's going on in the news, what had sparked this hashtag black lives matter movement. And then I, I just told them I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. So I, I made it, you know, appropriate for their ages, but I told them what the black lives matter movement stands for. And that's deconstructing the family unit. Um, you know, we've, we've even gone as far as to touch a little bit on abortion with our children already, because they're hearing that word um, a lot. So, um, we just said, it's not what it's pretending to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, you know, as far as the way the world tries to reconcile people, they separate them into groups. And as far as the church reconciles people, it's the gospel. So this is how we function. We function as a family. Um, we're a body of Christ. We don't, um, it's not these people matter over these people or, mm-hmm. and, you know they really understood that. And they're yeah. like, okay. So they, they realized they're like, my nine-year-old was like, okay, so this, this tricked me. And I was like, mm. yeah, you know, it, it wow. it's a little tricky. So now I feel like she, she's really quick to come to me and go, is this okay? You know, should I care about this? If she hears something or see something. So, I mean, it yeah. was a good, I'm glad it happened. You know, that's so, so.
0: cool. I got chills yeah. when you said that she came to you and said this tricked me because it's like, And the way you put that, um, the way you said, it's it's not what it pretends to be, right? Like it's it's not trustworthy. And I mean, I know that some parents hate the thought that they have got to kind of ruin their kids' innocence in a sense of saying like, you can't trust this, or that even telling them that people are out there like for their ill and not for their good, or that there are some people who have really bad intentions. Like we have all had to have that talk in some way, shape, or form with our children, even just as far as like trusting safe adults versus not safe adults. And what happens if you get lost, like find a mommy with children, like those types of things you hate to even have to introduce that to your child, but it's not loving not to it's, it's, it's the only option we have in a world that is sinful and evil and broken is to, is to tell them the truth that look like this is like, I love how you said, yes, of course, black lives do matter. Of course we love anyone regardless of their skin color, because they're made in God's image. They're his creation. And we do not hate anyone because of any out, you know, outside factor or how they look or, or how they speak or where they come from, any of those things. But this movement, this BLM, you know, and this organization really is not it's not what it says it is. It it It's pretending to be something that it isn't and it's lying. And it's, it's honestly leading people astray and leading them away from God. And I love how you also put um, that, you know, it tries to separate people into groups. Whereas the Bible says that we are a family of God. And that makes us one with people who are different from us. Like we are a part of God's family. We're all his children. And that's how we become unified. That's how we become, um living at peace and reconciled is is by recognizing that Christ purchased that for us on the cross. Jesus died for that to to be our reality. And so it is our reality. And like Ephesians says, so walk walk in love. That's what we have right. to do. We just a matter walk of walking in, in walking in it. It's not yes. a matter
1: of achieving it. Um Jesus right. he already did that. <laughs> so
0: right. Yeah. yeah. There's just so many amazing lessons you could draw from that one little situation that you ran into, which I'm sure so many parents have things like that, that they could, they could draw on. And um, yeah, I hope that they just hear that. Look, your kids are probably going to hear some things that aren't true. They're maybe even going to say some things or they're going to say, my friend said this, what is that real? Or well, my friend said, this is true. And those are, those are opportunities. Those are great opportunities. They are instead of to
1: Yeah. Instead of to buckle under fear and be like, well, we're just going to throw the TV away. Let's just yes. get it out of our house. You know, like, we are in the world and so are our children. Um, We're not of it, but we are in it. So we don't have to be fearful.
0: Totally. I have a similar situation that happened um, back when the movie soul came out. Um, I started seeing all of these women speaking about it and saying like, don't watch it. Don't let your kids watch it because it talks about um, reincarnation. Reincarnation. Like, It talks about reincarnation and i saw all these like accounts saying like don't let your kids watch soul like don't you know it's it's bad here's all the here's all the reasons why it's really you know it's cute but it is very deceptive and it's introducing these ideas these like new age concepts of like coming back as a butterfly or, or um whatever spiritual concepts to young children and i was like okay yeah i'm we'll just skip that one and then later that week, um, my daughter was like, Oh, I just love this movie. And I was like, which one? Cause she had just finished. And she was like, soul. (laughs) I was like, you just watched soul. And she was like, yeah, I just watched it. And I was like, Oh, great. So yeah, I obviously, it was like a Saturday. They only get to watch shows on Saturdays. And so I had left her to, to watch and I was like, okay, man, shoot. Well, Too late on that one, but I took it as an opportunity to, um, and she's six. So like, she was old enough to, to kind of have this conversation with and, and just talk about, so some of the things in that movie that you saw are actually not real. And I want to, I want to make sure we're, you know, you kind of understand some of the stuff you saw is, is actually a lie. and, And it's something that a lot of people believe is, is true and real. And it's a religion that some people have. And so she was very like concerned and was like, oh really and then it was a great opportunity for us to talk about it and for me to just kind of talk through it and and explain that you know it might it might be an entertaining movie the music might even be good but it doesn't mean that what it's saying is real or is the way that the world works or the way that um god works and so it was really you know it actually was i ended up being really grateful that that happened because we were able to talk about it yeah yeah and I, and, and again, it's like, I, I didn't then say, well, now you're never watching another show again, or you're, right. I, I can never let you watch on your iPad again. It's like, that's, that's not sustainable. Like I no, I would rather not. equip right. her to, so to, to, to understand. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I certainly am like, I am, you know, not saying we shouldn't care what our kids are watching, but right. you know what I'm saying? I think there's, there's grace. And I just looked at that as an opportunity that God uh, had given me to, to really have that chat with her. Right. So, um, what encouragement do you have for women who are, uh, you know, wanting to, wanting to learn how to do this with their kids and how to lean in and have some uncomfortable conversations? Like what, where do they begin?
1: Okay. Um, from crown era, what me and my husband have done is, um, we actually catechize our kids. So that, I feel like that's a really good place to start is we use the truth and grace catechism from Tom Askell. I think that's founders ministry. I think you can find it on their, on their website, but um, yeah, it just asks basic questions with biblical answers. Like who made you, God made me, you know um, why did God make you to glorify him? And it just is giving them answers for life's basic questions via scripture. Um, And so that has been really helpful we also um, we read large chunks of the Bible together. We don't, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, devotionals are good and they have their place, but at we don't skip over hard stuff, you know, with our kids. And you'd be surprised, young kids you're like, okay, none of you are listening. Like you're over there eating something off the floor and you are, you know, tickling your sister and um, you'd be surprised though, how much they retain. Um, So we just, Mm -hmm. we read large chunks of the Bible um, and we let them ask questions. Like, I just feel like creating an environment where um, there's really no question that's dumb or off the table, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And we pray for them. I feel like we've really established a culture of prayer in our home. Um, You know, we have stop and pray moments throughout the day. And um, I think that really the best apologetic that I could ever do in my home is just the way I live. You know, it's not necessarily the curriculum that I've gotten or, you know, the best apologetic is just that your relationship with the Lord is real and you are inviting them in
0: you know, yeah. to see that. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we do. That's such, that's such solid advice. So great. So that curriculum was truth and grace by Tom Askell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will link that in show notes for people. That's great. And I can attest, I mean, I was, I did the shorter, the great Westminster, like shorter catechism as a child. Okay. and I still remember some of the questions and answers, right. even as an adult, and they have been, a fallback for me in so many situations where I either, you know, maybe I didn't have to head on answer who is God, you know, but, but when I have thought about trying to explain it to someone, I'm like, well, I know where I, I know what I would say, right. Whereas, you know, if you don't have some of those answers memorized or at least somewhere in your psyche, it's like, it can be hard to even know where to, where to go. Like, okay, it really well, can. that's a very basic question, but do I know how I would answer it? You know?
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, yeah, those are great, great ideas. And I also love what you said about just being, um, you know, being the apologetic, like living your life. And that might be the hardest advice that we give people today is like your relationship with the Lord needs to actually be real. It can't be a a, a thing that you're trying to just give to your kids that you don't have yourself. Um, it's, and we don't, we
1: don't do it perfectly, obviously. No,
0: no, no, no. But But they're, they're going to see through that. If you know, as they grow, if, if you're, if you're really not someone that actually loves God or wants to know him through his word, like that's going to be evident to them. And I think they're going to see that as, as a sham. And so there's, there's certainly grace for us to grow and change, but um, it's just convicting to me that I need to actually ask God for the desire to know him because even that desire to know him and the desire to read his word comes from him. I can't manufacture that either. That's right. Mm-hmm. And there is yes,
1: dependent on the Holy spirit for all of that. So,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, um, I mean, he, he is willing to give that to us. Like, why would he withhold that from us? Like that is, we, we can pray in accordance with his will and he will give us we'll that, that, um, right. that desire. Well, any other encouraging closing words for people that you have, um, as we're kind of closing out this conversation? Um, I would, I would just encourage
1: moms to just, like I said, just prayerfully um, go into this and, um, you know, just stay in their word and to trust that the Lord, like you have um, repeated that he's the one, he's the author of salvation. And it's actually a great joy and a great privilege for us to teach our children, <laughs> biblical truth and then just trust him, trust him, just be faithful in our homes and trust him with the results. So that's my encouragement.
0: Yeah. And then watch what he does. Um, Yeah. It's so good. And I know, I know that we're only, you know, you and I are are kind of at the the earlier stage of this and there's so many who have gone before us and have laid that groundwork and And they, and there's many who would attest to the fact that like the fruit that they've seen has not ultimately been because of their work. It's been because God is bringing the harvest and, and also the wayward children that, that do not stay, uh, you know, or do not kind of follow the path that you show them. That's not your fault necessarily, you know, just because, because they, if, if we don't believe that the fruit is due to our work, then we can't believe that the lack of fruit is due to us either. Right. Right. Well, I was a prodigal.
1: So, and my mom taught me biblical truth and I chose my own way. So, Mm. um, but her her prayers and what she taught me in the very early years of my life, they came back once I became a believer. So, um, I, I know what it is to be a prodigal and to have a heartbroken mom over that for, you know, years and years. So yes, it's, um, it is all dependent on the Lord. So, and he is faithful even when, you know, things don't pan out the way we want them to.
0: Yeah, totally. What does your mom say now about, about that, like your years, kind of your wayward years? Like, how does she, how does she speak about that now? Um, she just, I think it it was quite
1: shocking when I actually came to a saving faith, to be honest with you. Um, But yeah, she, she had a good group of friends that would pray for me, but she kind of, she released me in those years, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like she was grieved over me, but she knew that, you know, if I was going to come into a saving faith, that was going to have to be the Lord's doing. So she just took a posture of praying for me and she, um, she never gave up on me. Like she was always loving and kind. And, you know, there were some boundaries there. Like, um, she didn't you know, encourage me in my sin or anything like that. Um, but yeah, she always kind of held the door open. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And so,
0: yeah, that's really cool, man. What a great testimony. I'm sure that I'm sure that she was just like, Oh my gosh, my prayers (laughs) have been answered. Yes. Yes. She was (laughs) definitely. And well, Angela, thank you so much for joining today and kind of encouraging women to, uh, just stay in the battle. You know, that's what any of us are doing. Like this is, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, um, like, just like your own mom has a testimony of praying for you and trusting God with you ultimately. And look how faithful he's been in your life. And, and I know that everyone's story might not end up that way with like a, a nice bow on it and a happy ending, but We do know from God's word, and this is where we, as moms get the chance to trust that his word is true and that his heart towards us is good, that he loves us, that everything is for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And even when it doesn't look like it. So, I mean, I just, I, I know that that's where I have to continue to land. Um, Even though I'm in these little years where it seems like I have a lot of control and I, and I do have a level of control. I know I won't always have that and I need to establish in my own you know, relationship with God and my own trust of him now that the outcome is the Lord's, you know, right now I have a level of control over that outcome, but ultimately that is his, the battle is the Lord's and I need to trust and believe that he is good above everything. Well, where can people connect with you online? Um, I'm at Raising Apologist on Instagram
1: and that's my, that's my only platform for now. So okay. sure. <laughs> Yes. Thank awesome. you for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Angela. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Remember, if you want more and you want to continue to get content all summer, join us inside Patreon at patreon.com slash Uh Come find me on Instagram today uh, or this week whenever you're listening and say hello at kayliewilliams.kindle. All right. I will see you back here next week for the final episode of spring 2021 kindled season. All right, guys. See you later.